was written after, or the guy who wrote it, had his uh, fiancée come to see him and uh, just as she was approaching, coming over a bridge, she fell off a horse and drowned the day before their wedding. And again, you'll feel the power of those words. They all came through some kind of prayer. Right, we're looking at Philippians and particularly chapter 4 and the section I've been given is 4 to 7. Um, Philippians is so big, it's, it's the happiest letter, I think, that Paul wrote. It's all bubbly and disjointed and all over the show. Um, if you want a real treat, you're having a quiet time, you don't know what to pray or what to read, get Philippians and read it as Paul intended it to be read. Read it out loud. If you've still got that mysterious friend and you're older than 28, don't worry. Read it to the friend you don't know about. Read it to your dog. Read it to your budgerigar or something like that. But if you read the whole of Philippians out loud, it takes about 20 minutes. You really get affected by it. You feel Paul's heart coming out. It is a fantastic book. There's so much here that um, I had to limit what I have said to just five words. And in fact, I've had to throw away more than I'm going to speak today. So I'm sorry if I've gone over time, but this whole thing is really getting at me. Presenting your, presenting your request to God. Um, that is lost in translation. The Greek has a tense that we don't have in English, which means continually be doing it. So that bit there, present your request to God, could always be said as constantly bother God all the time. All the time. There's never a time when you're not. It's not just your prayer times. We're always at it. But I am sometimes oops, left asking myself why. Because when I read people's prayers in the Bible, it's quite enlightening over half the psalms are not about praise and worship. They're telling God what they think of him, and it's not very polite. But I've never heard anybody preach on those psalms. And it comes out um, in our worship songs as well. In the top 50 worship songs, 48 of them are about worship, rejoicing, and things like that. Only two, and we sung one of them, is actually about suffering. So we're slightly out of balance with the Bible. And why does God need us to present our request to God? I mean, doesn't God know what we need? Surely he cares. Does God need reminding of these things? Or, you know, some people seem to think that God needs to consult us before he goes ahead and does anything. Almost we pray as if we're the boss. God, do this. God, do that. Here's what some people actually prayed in reality. I, you can't see that. I will read them out. We will have a quiz. All right, you've got to give me the answer. Now, I used to be a school teacher, so don't shout out. Put your hands up, all right? <laughs> right, who said, I cry out to you, O oh God, but you don't answer. You merely look at me. Hands up. Oh, yes. No, it's not. That you'd have thought so. No, yeah. It is. Yes. Job, well done. 
<laughs> Interesting how a mum gets it right and the professor gets it wrong, but there we are. <laughs> right, you're allowed to have another go. Who pleaded with God for his child? He fasted and went into his house and spent nights lying on the ground. On the seventh day, the child died. Hands up, that was... Yes. That is David, yes. Chris, you were one question too early. Okay. Who said... No, actually, I heard this said by somebody last week, but who said in the Bible... I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. Ah, yes, Ali. It was Elijah. Yes, that's right. And in a similar vein, another prophet. Oh, Lord, take away my life. It's better for me to die than live. Yes. Jonah. Yes. You were going to say that, weren't you? Yes. It was Jonah. Amazing. Who said, you've covered yourself with a cloud so that no prayer can get through. And the clue is in Lamentations. So, yeah, yeah. It's Jeremiah. Yeah, that's right. Come to the New Testament. There was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord, take it away from me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness and so who wrote two corinthians and who wrote philippians that we're looking at you all know that it's paul isn't it okay we'll just go through save time i'll go oh no excuse my paraphrase um this is my translation he's been hours trying to translate it daddy you can do absolutely anything take this bitter experience away from me and one chapter later he said my god my god why have you forsaken me Jesus, yes, you all knew that one. Um, And the last one. This is an interesting one. How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Now, hands up. I don't think many people know this one. Cheryl seems to. Yeah, yeah. The people in Revelation. Which particular people? Actually, the martyrs, yeah. That left me with a curious thought. If they're martyrs, they're dead. So they're praying. Which left me thinking, chew this one over because I don't know where to go from here. But does our prayer life stop when we die? Interesting thought, isn't it? Um, Take you to some more recent events. Hudson Taylor, who founded the China Inland Mission, said this while he was having a nervous breakdown. I can't read, I can't think, I cannot even pray a more modern Christian. C.S. Lewis, one of my favourite authors, he said this after his wife died, because he prayed a lot about it with his wife and they thought she'd been healed. Uh, He's talking about his prayer life. What chokes every prayer and every hope is the memory of all the prayers that Joy and I offered and all the false hopes we had. And what a thing for a great Christian writer to say about God, we were led up the garden path. Mother Teresa, reviewing the last half century of her life, said, I feel God doesn't want me. God's not God. God doesn't exist. Surprise. Just to lighten it a little bit, I love Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's widow. God has not always answered my prayers. If he had, I would have married the wrong man several times. (laughs) Any blokes here can associate with that? Probably some ladies can, I don't know. Okay, let's move. But all this leaves me asking why. God says continually pray and all we get are disappointments. Um, Some Christians have been so disappointed. I heard of one, he said, 
I was so disappointed by God. Finally, after church, I said to God, right, God, you don't exist. And he said, and I felt so much better. And then he said, who did I say that to? (laughs) The trouble is, we have a problem. We take it to God. The problem isn't solved the way we want it. Our prayers don't seem to get answered. And so we take God out of it. The only problem is, we're still left with the problem, aren't we? (laughs) We don't have a God to help us solve it. So taking God out of the equation doesn't help. Um, But if I were to ask you, you can put your hands up, how many of you have been disappointed by a prayer when you got the answer? Yeah, most of you can say, I've been disappointed in my prayer life. Why does it happen? Um, To some extent, it could be us. So I'm just looking at one or two reasons. Possibly we're not serious in our prayers. Um, I get annoyed by people in India who phone me up with questionnaires. And uh, on one occasion, I got so frustrated, I said to the guy, right, can you answer one of my questions? He said, oh, yes. I said, "Uh, I'm a Christian. I'd like to pray for you. What can I ask? And he said, tell your God to make me into a Hollywood superhero. I said, well, God will give you what you need, not what you want. No, you pray that, he said. Monday morning, I got a phone call. Did you pray for me? I said, yes. I'm still stuck in this call centre. Your God doesn't work. <laughs> he is treating God as if he's some Aladdin's lamp. You know, you rub it and out comes this God. Your wish is my command. And if we treat an almighty God with contempt, can we be surprised if he doesn't answer our prayers with contempt as well? We must be serious about our prayers. And also there's contradictions. To put it simply, you're a Christian, you're in a car, in a car park, you're looking for the last space. There's only one space. There's another Christian in a car looking for the last space. (laughs) And you're both praying, give me that space. If God says yes to you, he's saying no to somebody else. Our prayers contradict each other. And there is a risk in a more serious way. This could happen in a church. There are people who are praying for the future church buildings. There's a risk that there are some people saying, Lord, don't let it happen. I don't know if that is happening, but there's a risk and we can actually be praying against each other. So please, would you go and look at those church buildings and please go to the prayer times and hopefully we do not have a schizophrenic God as a result of our prayers. He wants those buildings or he doesn't want those buildings. Let's be prayerful and not contradict each other. Sometimes there's a delay. Um, I had this recently when I took Vince, my prayer partner, to the hospital and I took Yvonne and Vince's mum, Rita, to Gloucester, so they went shopping. And uh, when Vince had finished at the hospital, I telephoned Yvonne to say, we'll pick you up, and the phone went from the back seat. And I realised that Yvonne had got out of the car, and there was, how was it, 30,000 people in Gloucester? <laughs> so I said to Vince, the only thing I can think of is let's go to where we last saw them and uh, pray that they're there. So Vince was happily praying, and I cannot believe the number of times that level crossing shut on us, and the number of Dustbins seemed to be working in front of us. And every one of the five traffic lights we approached turned red as we approached. Um, I didn't say to Vince, did you see that? Because he's blind. But I just told Vince what I thought of his prayers. And um, anyway, we turned up where we last saw them. And Yvonne just appeared around the corner as I said, let's give up. And I realised if any one of those traffic lights had been green, as I told Vince to pray, we would have missed Yvonne, God has a reason for his delays. And in some of our delays in prayers, it actually draws us closer to God as a result of him taking time. And we have another problem of free will. I have a problem that I have prayed for a member of my family for over 40 years 
for them to become a Christian. And last year they died and there was no sign of them becoming a Christian. And uh, I was sharing this with uh, so Rachel Thompson, bless her. She said, just a minute, Graham. His salvation is between him and God. It was not your responsibility to convert him. And she said, what did God tell you to do? I said, well, two things very clearly. God said, pray for this person and love this person. And she said, did you do that? I said, yeah, we did. Graham, job done. Anything else is God's responsibility because God will not overrule people's free will. And no matter how much we pray for people to become Christians, if that person doesn't want to, then God's not going to batter his way in. And similarly, we live in a natural and a fallen world. And often the things we pray for are miracles. And if God answered everyone with a miracle, they would cease to be miracles. We do live in a natural world. It's no good jumping out of a window and saying, God, save me. (laughs) We live in that kind of world. And it's also a fallen world where nasty things happen. And sadly for us as Christians, we are called to suffer. Um, Paul talks about that in another one of his letters, about that, uh, that demon that was sent to help him suffer. Another thing that might cause our prayers not to work is sin. Thinking of the Old Testament, there was someone called Achan who was told when they captured Jericho, everything you got in the way of plunder was to be given to God. And he kept some for himself and he hid it. And it was a disaster for the nation. And it was eventually discovered he had a secret sin. And in the New Testament, Ananias and Sapphira said they'd given some money to God and they'd hidden it away, they'd buried it. And uh, they suffered the consequences of that as well. And for some of us, if we're deliberately sinning, it's not going to work in our prayer life. Psalm 66 says, if I cherish sin in my heart, the Lord won't hear me. Uh, I'm not asking you what your secret sin is I do have a problem with that because those of us who are disabled in some way um, we often get people saying we've got a lack of faith no if you're well and you ask God um, Lord you know I want to say thank you I've got faith you kept me well there's no faith in that but if you're ill and you say to the Lord I still believe in you that's real faith and I have had a friend who someone said to them I've prayed for you nothing more than my prayers you're still the way you are you must have a secret sin what is your secret sin? And he was very gracious. He said, I'll tell you my secret sin if you tell me yours first. <laughs> End of uh, conversation. Um, but the Bible does say the prayer of a righteous person is powerful. So for some of us, perhaps we need to confess some of our sins. Yeah, okay, I confess. Some of you saw me. I walked out of church this morning with a coffee cup. I I confessed it. But there are some really serious things. I did put the coffee cup back. Sometimes these things are serious. And last week we were looking at relationships. And I was really surprised when Steve said, if you've got an issue with somebody, stand up. I thought, thank goodness I haven't got an issue with somebody. I couldn't have stood up. Well done, those of you who are brave enough to do so. I have had issues with people, believe me. And it left me as a really bitter insomniac. I couldn't sleep at two or three in the morning because I was thinking of the things I wanted to do to certain people, Christians, who'd so spiritually or physically abused me in some ways. And uh, eventually I had to go and see someone called Jen Rees Larkin who said, Graham, you're so hurt you can't forgive. 
it's that bad. Uh, but she said, God can forgive. And you have to ask God to forgive that person and channel it through you. And do you know, when I did that, it was literally a miracle. It was amazing. I'll mention it a bit later on. But for some of us, we need, as Jesus said, you come to the altar, leave your gift there, sort it out. Um, and Jesus also, uh, well, later on, the Bible says, live at peace with all men. I'm glad it precedes it with as much as it depends on you. If we try to sort it out and the other person refuses, then we're clearing God's eyes and it shouldn't interfere with our prayer life. And sometimes some people are just too capable. If you know you can do something, you pray about it. It's not really an answer prayer. You did it anyway. It's when we pray from a position of weakness. My brother was upset recently because he's got a grandson who's terminally ill and he's asked for us to pray for a miracle. And some, they were a Christian, but I was going to use a rude word. Somebody said to him, if you want a miracle for someone who's got cancer, you should pray when the cancer's first discovered because there's a statistically more likelihood of your prayer getting answered. And he was enraged. Are our prayer lives, are our God limited to statistics? No, they are not. And we don't pray just when we're likely to get the right answer. We pray when we need to, and we will get them. And if we're capable of getting a result without praying, it's not really prayer. It's so interesting that Paul says something a bit different. Sorry, moved down too soon. Paul talks about my prayers being more effective, God's power being more effective in our weaknesses. I'll come to that later on. And just lastly, can I mention spiritual warfare? If you ask most Christians, they will say they've got a guardian angel, and yet the word guardian angel never occurs in the Bible. I think the reason is because we've got guardian angels in the plural. But if you ask Christians how many believe in a devil or demons or they can have a go at us, less will agree with that. And yet the Bible says that we are going to be facing spiritual warfare. Uh, we just had D-Day and feeling a pride in our family, my uncle was the first one over the day before D-Day. He towed the glider that captured Pegasus Bridge and he came back before D-Day started. Um, those guys and that glider, if they didn't believe in the enemy, they would have had problems when that glider hit Pegasus Bridge. Suddenly they find all these people trying to kill them. And as Christians, if we do not believe there's an enemy out there and that we need to face it and deal with it sometimes, uh, we're not going to be very effective in our prayer lives. So let's not forget that sometimes there's spiritual warfare. And in Daniel chapter 10, do you remember Daniel prayed for 21 days and he fasted for 21 days and finally an angel came to see him and said, I heard you on day one. But it took me 21 days to cope with the enemy out there. So that may delay the answers to our prayers. I've been a bit miserable in what I've been saying. There's a big, big but. My favourite word in the Bible, and praise God there's hundreds of them, but... And I decided to list all those occasions when I felt weak and inadequate and I prayed and God did a miracle. And I was surprised. The list got longer and longer. And I found at least 15 occasions. Well, time's a little bit short, so I'm not going to give you 15 answers to prayers. Because, as the Bible says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Can we alter the Bible very slightly? Take that home and put your name in there. When you're feeling feeble, 
and your prayers don't seem to be working, just say, my strength is made perfect. God says, my strength is made perfect in whatever your name, your weakness. Oops, gone too far ahead. So the three prayers. There was one on forgiveness. When I managed to forgive, or God forgave through me, I literally had a most amazing physical transformation and I was free to sleep at nights. I could look at some people I thought were the nastiest people in the world and I could smile at them and they didn't know how to handle it anymore. And instead of me avoiding them coming down the streets, they avoided me um, because I had forgiven them. And it was absolutely amazing to be able to forgive. And if you've got a problem with forgiveness and you can't forgive, that's normal. If they say forgive and forget, if it needs forgiving, you won't be able to forget it. But I can guarantee that when you pray and ask God to do it through you, it works, it really does. Um, The second example was um, last year. I missed a church service I seriously wanted to go to. I'd gone all the way up to Leicester for it. And uh, I had a migraine. So everyone else was at the service and I was flat on my back. I couldn't put sentences together. I said, God, I'm useless. And I felt him saying, well, pray about this afternoon service which you hope to get to. So I struggled. It was very difficult, but I felt that the person leading that service needed praying for, and I'm sure my, you know, my prayers were pathetic. But I was able to get to the afternoon service, and the guy handled the service very well. I was impressed. So I sort of struggled out of church afterwards, and he was on his own. Now, this guy in certain church circles is a bit of a big name, and he didn't know who I was. And I went up to him when he was on his own and I said to him, this is going to sound a bit odd, you don't know who I am, but I've got a feeling that you need praying for about something. And I thought, he's about to call me an idiot or something. And uh, he said, my sister's just, Sunday afternoon, my sister's just gone for an operation. And I had a, I've gone through that service with that at the back of my mind. And then he said, but I had a telephone message two minutes ago to say that she's got under the knife. And then he said, this big name said, could you pray for me? And so I thought, yeah. So I prayed for him. And it was amazing. I suppose they call that a word of knowledge or something, but it was my pathetic prayers that God actually worked through those. And the last case, um, (laughs) God does actually ask us to pray for miracles occasionally. And I'll be honest, I have prayed for the raising of the dead, and it's never happened, but I suppose God couldn't trust me with that one. I actually worked for an undertaker's at the time, and I'd have been unemployed. Um, <laughs> I'm sure God had other reasons. Um, you do live in a natural world. I did come close to it on one occasion. Um, it was a teenager who was in hospital, and uh, he ended up on a life support machine. And a lady we know got a group of us together and said, can we pray for this kid? And she deliberately grabbed hold of the parents and said, we are praying for your son. And a couple of days later, I was at home. She came in through the door, crying her eyes out. She said, he's dead. And I didn't know what to say because we felt so sure that God had answered these prayers for this guy. And she left still crying and I was numb for about 10 minutes. And then 
my door nearly flew off its hinges despite her being small. She came bounding inside saying, he's not dead, he's alive. And all she could say was, he's not dead, he's alive. And Easter's never been the same on a Sunday morning since I had this experience. I can just feel that the disciples said. And the amazing thing was, what had happened was, the doctors had said, we have a dead body with a machine keeping it functioning. And he said, this is pointless. And he said to the parents, come in for the last event, say goodbye, and I'll switch the machine off. So this is what happened. The parents went in, this lady heard the news, he's dead, they've switched the machine off. She only heard half the story. The disciples only heard on that Saturday before Easter Sunday, they only knew half the story. The best bit was yet to come. They did switch the machine off. And what did that body do? He hugged his dad. (laughs) It was amazing. And I think we come pretty close to the resurrection there. And that is some of the most exciting... That's just three of the 15 prayers. And I may have been a bit miserable, but it is the darkness between the stars, isn't it? The stars account for 1% of the night sky. It's the darkness in between that makes them stand out. And when we have disappointment in prayers, we will have... God is there. He's doing it for a reason. But when he answers our prayers... and it's always been at my weakest that God has displayed his amazing strength. So my mum was renowned for her prayer life, and <laughs> so much so that she ended up in... Anyone read Woman Alive? <laughs> no blokes, obviously. Um, yeah, she was actually in here on page 28 about the power of praying elderly ladies. There she is. And someone says under there, they start it by saying... Millie is phenomenal. My mum was not phenomenal. It just so happens my mum prayed to a phenomenal God. And if we're going to pray to a phenomenal God, we should not be surprised if we get phenomenal answers sometimes. We will have our disappointments, but we'll also get some really spectacular answers. Another thing they said here that I don't think was true of her, they called her a... Here's the word. A prayer warrior. And... People have called me a few things I haven't enjoyed being called, but actually recently people started talking of Graham as a prayer warrior. That is a misspelling. My mum and I (laughs) are the biggest prayer warriors in every sense of the word because I had a dog that was forever worrying my heels whenever I went past their house. And I worry God a lot about a lot of things. And that's more what we are. So... If you'd like to get stuck into prayer, where do you start if you've not done very much? My brother-in-law has a simple answer. Go and sit down on your own and ask God to sit next to you and say to him what you want to say. Don't start at a prayer meeting because you'll pray differently. So just sit down next to God and tell him what you're thinking. But you are welcome to prayer ministry in many ways. We do have a prayer chain in this church, and it's really lovely. I could put something on the prayer chain this week, and over 50 of you prayed about a situation. I'm sorry, I would love to break confidences. I really would, but I can't. The child is still terminally ill, but we have seen two miracles. We really have. I'm sorry I can't tell you what they were, because um, it is confidential. So thank you. If you want to join the prayer train, you'd be very welcome. We do have prayer ministry after church and I know that for some of us, and I have this problem, we don't like to walk up the front of church for prayer ministry with everyone looking at us saying, what have they gone for? 
We have plans for the prayer ministry. It will be different in the future. But one thing is we do need more people on the prayer ministry team. And if it's a possibility, you know, is God asking you to join the prayer ministry team? Please do come and tell me um, because I'd love to add you to those who we're going to start doing the training for again. So by the end of the year, hopefully we'll have a team up and running under different circumstances. And we do have a prayer time in this church on a Thursday evening, second Thursday. Please feel free to come to that. And we have a praying home, the prodigals email. So for members of your family who have got issues, you can pray, send it in, and it will get sent to people who pray specifically for that. And we've seen some remarkable answers to prayer there as well. Just to end, uh, we had a talk on Peter recently, didn't we, which Nigel did, where Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? And again, we've lost something in translation because English usually has too many words. On this occasion, it has too few, as the Greek has four words. Jesus said to Peter, do you love me? And the word he used there was um, agape, which is that deep, powerful love, where even if you don't feel like you love somebody, you go ahead and deliberately love them to bits. And Jesus said that to Peter, and Peter didn't say, I love you, Lord, in the same way. He said... He used uh, philia, which means um, like. Yeah, 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 Lord, I, I like you. And Jesus comes at him again. Peter, do you love me? That powerful love. And Peter says something like, yeah, I, I've got an affection for you. And, and what does Jesus say the third time? Peter, do you like me? <laughs> Peter said, yeah. It's that kind of a God. So the Bible says, present your request to God. What sort of God? He's the God who comes down to my level. So when we're weak, that's when God comes to our level. I just mentioned one other hymn that we couldn't fit in. It's just as I am. And the lady who wrote that hymn could not get out of bed. And she said, I just can't come to Jesus. And someone said to her, come just as you are. And as a result, she wrote, just as I am. So just as Jesus came down to Peter's level, he's the God who comes down to our level. Why don't we pray? <laughs> okay, I better pass on to the worship team. I'm starting to get carried away. Okay, so John... Over to you.